0: Hey, ghoul friend, It's me, Adrian. Or Aiden. Either way, I want to ask you to wish Susto a happy birthday. As we celebrate the upcoming fifth anniversary of Susto and its dedication to exploring the rich tapestry of Latin American and Hispanic folklore, I invite you to join me in taking this paranormal project to the next level. Over the past five years, I've delved deep into the mysterious realms of ghostly apparitions, supernatural legends, and chilling tales that have captivated audiences worldwide. Now, as I embark on the next chapter of this journey into the unknown, I need your support to enhance your experience as a listener. Your generous donation will allow me to invest in a new recording setup, ensuring that future spine-chilling narratives are captured with crystal ball clarity and devilish detail. With upgraded equipment, I'll be able to host ghoulish guests with greater ease and transport you even deeper into the heart of darkness, where legends come alive and the paranormal awaits. Every dollar contributed will aid in advancing the quality of Susto, enabling me to continue preserving and sharing the enchanting folklore of Latin American and Hispanic cultures with the world. Join me in celebrating five years of fear-inducing tales and help me amplify this spooky saga for many more to come together we can unlock the secrets of the supernatural and keep the spirit of storytelling alive to make a donation you can visit gofund.me 10bcdc27 thank you for your support and may the spirits guide you on your journey through the unknown eternally yours adrian or aiden either way it's me adrian or aiden either way i am still your host and you are what still listening to susto the podcast of Uki spooky scary stories thank you so much for being here for returning for joining us if it's your first time i just want to get a couple things right out of the way before we get started as i mentioned previously i have some things lined up for 2024 already so as you may have heard in that pre-roll the true crime paranormal podcast festival is coming up so if you will be in the denver colorado area for july 12th through 14th make sure to get your tickets for that it's going to be my first time in colorado in denver i'm very excited to check it out. But aside from that, I have a few other things coming up. I have the Latinx Pop Lab at UT Symposium from March 7th through 9th. I'm going to be tabling there uh, each day, and I will also be presenting on Saturday. You can visit BIPOCPOP, that's BIPOCPOP.com. Dot org to learn more about attending. It is a free event, so visit that website and see how you can go attend and meet me and some other amazing creatives that are going to be there for that weekend. And then after that, I will be at the Psychic and Spirit Fest on May 18th. I will be tabling and presenting as well. This is hosted by the Curious Twins Paranormal at the Victoria's Black Swan Inn, and I will also be at the VIP Paranormal Investigation the evening before. That's Friday, May 17th. So if you want to kind of just hang out and go on a little spooky investigation may 17th you can catch me there if not you can catch me tabling and presenting that saturday a few more things coming up but i'm going to space them out so you all aren't completely like overloaded with information but as always you can follow at susto podcast on every social media platform for any and all updates on the show including these live events very excited to meet people in person so i will see you there okay now with that out of the way aside from that i really don't have much if you haven't listened to the last episode yet you can catch tutia bruja over here on Susto, and if you haven't visited her podcast, make sure to go listen to me on Bex's show, the Bruja, and I also was on My Horror Confessional with Miguel, so make sure to go listen to that one as well. We watched lay Diabolique, so if you want to watch the movie beforehand, there are, it's pretty much a spoiler, a kind of movie review, uh, recap sort of thing, so if you haven't seen the movie, I would highly suggest watching it, I really enjoyed it, and if you don't mind spoilers then just listen to the episode without watching the movie or before it. Again, stay tuned for more uh, collaborations to come in the future. I have something that I'm really, really excited to present to you all, but I will leave it there. As always, if you have your own scary stories that you would like me to read on a Letters from the Beyond episode or share on social media, because it can also be a photo, video, audio recording, anything digital that you want me to share online, you can send it over to my email, you can visit the website, you can leave it in a five-story view, you can leave it in a Spotify Q&A, you can burn it in a fire, and the ashes and smoke will come to me. There are so many ways to get your stories in, so make sure to send those in. And if you could do me a favor, I'm being possessed, and the only way to exercise me is to share susto with your friends and family is to like and subscribe to rate and review. That's just that's what the priest told me. So if you would be so kind as to help me overcome this demon, I would love that. And before I forget, I have one surprise for you. I'm going to try introducing a new segment into the show. I'm not sure how this will work. Hopefully, I will be able to do this every episode. Theoretically, I can. I'm, it's, I'm just going to have to get into the habit of doing it. So after the context portion of the episode and before the final goodbyes, make sure to stick around. There is a new segment in the show, and I'm very excited to present it to you all. With all that being said, we are going to jump into today's episode, but before that, I do want to give a content warning. There are going to be mentions and discussions of unwanted pregnancies and rape, so listener discretion advised. Please, as always, take care of yourselves and those around you. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's episode, which as you've seen from the title, is The Legend of El Trauco. Maria wandered through the dense forests of Chiloé, Chile, the mist clinging to the towering trees like a shroud. Whispers seemed to echo through the woods, carrying tales of ancient legends and unseen dangers. She clutched her shawl tightly around her, her footsteps hesitant as she ventured deeper into the heart of the wilderness. The legend of El Trauco loomed large in Maria's mind a chilling tale passed down through generations of townspeople. They spoke of a creature with legs but no feet, its grotesque figure lurking in the shadows, wielding a stone hatchet. El Trauco was said to be ugly beyond words, with a face that could only inspire terror. Maria had heard the story since childhood, but she had never truly believed in the existence of such a creature. That is, until the night she encountered him, in the forest. It was a night like any other, the moon casting a pale glow upon the trees. Maria was gathering firewood when she heard the eerie sound of knocking echoing through the woods. She froze, her heart pounding in her chest as she scanned the darkness for the source of the noise, and then she saw him. El Trauco stood before her, his twisted figure illuminated by the faint moonlight flittering through the trees, His legs were indeed there, but they ended in stumps, leaving him to shuffle awkwardly through the underbrush. His face was a nightmare made flesh, with sunken eyes and a twisted grin that sent a shiver down Maria's spine. But it was the hatchet in his gnarled hand that truly filled her with dread. It was stained with blood, a grim reminder of the creature's malevolent intentions. Maria tried to flee, but her legs refused to move. She was paralyzed. Caught in the Trauco's hypnotizing gaze as he advanced towards her. She could hear his raspy breaths, smell the stench of decay that seemed to cling to him like a cloak. And then, in the blink of an eye, the Trauco was gone. Maria was left alone, in the darkness, trembling, on the ground now with fearful confusion. In the days that followed, Maria tried to convince herself that it had all been a trick of the mind a waking nightmare brought on by the eerie atmosphere of the forest. But deep down, she knew the truth. El Trauco was real, and he had marked her as his prey. As weeks turned into months, Maria found herself haunted by the memory of that fateful encounter. She would wake in the dead of night, drenched in sweat, her dreams filled with visions of the Trauco's twisted visage. But it was not just her nightmares that tormented her. Maria soon discovered that she was pregnant, with no memory of how it had come to be. Rumors spread through the town like wildfire, neighbors and strangers alike casting judgment upon her and branding her as a woman cursed by the Drauco's touch. Maria was consumed by fear and uncertainty, torn between her instincts to flee and her desire to confront the creature that had turned her life upside down. She sought solace in the words of the village elders, hoping to find some semblance of guidance in the ancient tales of Chiloé. But the more she learned, the more she realized that there was no escaping the Trauco's grasp. He was a force of nature, a manifestation of the darkness that lurked in the heart of the forest. In the end, Maria made her decision. With a heavy heart and a sense of resignation, she resolved to confront the Trauco one final time. Armed with nothing but courage, Maria ventured deep into the heart of the wilderness, her footsteps echoing through the silent woods. She could feel the Trauco's presence drawing nearer, his malevolent energy pulsing through the air like a tangible force. And then she saw him. El Trauco stood before her once more, his twisted form silhouetted against the moonlit sky. Maria felt a surge of fear course through her veins, but she refused to back down she would not let the Trauco control her any longer. With a defiant cry, Maria lunged forward, her fists raised in defiance, but the Trauco was ready for her. Darkness enveloped her, swallowing her whole as she was consumed by the abyss. The villagers of Chiloé whispered tales of Maria's fate for years to come, but no one ever truly knew what became of her. Some said she had fallen victim to the Trauco's hypnotizing gaze, trapping her in a permanent trance, while others claimed he did away with her completely. But one thing was certain. The legend of El Trauco lived on, a chilling reminder of the dangers that lurked in the shadows of Chiloé, and Maria's fate served as a cautionary tale of the consequences of crossing paths with the creature that roamed the wilderness. For in the heart of the forest, where the whispers never ceased and the shadows danced, The Trauco waited patiently for his next victim, and the cycle of terror continued, unabated and eternal. Hey ghoul friend, it's me, Adrian or Aiden, either way, it's that time of year. The True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival is right around the corner, so make sure that you get your tickets you can visit truecrimepodcastfestival.com and use code SUSTO15 for 15% off your tickets. This year, the festival is in Denver, Colorado from July 12th through 14th. So if possible, I would love to see you there. I can't wait. And again, make sure to use code SUSTO15 for 15% off your tickets at truecrimepodcastfestival.com. Welcome back, ghoul friends. So, as mentioned in the content warning before the story, we're going to touch on some pretty sensitive subjects. So, the subjects of unwanted pregnancies and abortion access, and also on rape and sexual assault. With that being said, I think it's pretty clear this story is... It's just, it's really fucked up in every case. This creature, el trauco, I mean, without it being said from what I saw in the research, it was never like he violently attacks people. But honestly, any sexual advance without someone's consent is violent. That is an act of violence. For his power or his thing, you know, to be to entrance women and to hypnotize them, basically coercing them into having sex with him. That coercion is not consent, just we that that should be very plain and clear if if you don't know or if those around you don't know that's basically what this 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 little shit is doing is he's coercing these women he's hypnotizing them and coercion can look one of many different ways so this creature just happens to have a a supernatural power of coercion of hypnotizing right I also do want to say that this legend kind of reminds me of El Sombreron, right? I've covered El Sombreron before, if you all remember. He's this also short guy, not very physically attractive, but he is said to serenade women. He basically hypnotizes them with song. There is no mention of causing unwanted pregnancies with El Sombreron from what I remember and what I saw uh, when I did the episode but again he's kind of luring these women to fall in love with him via song and then uh, I think also the details are that he is very into women with long hair and braids and that the only way to kind of get rid of him after a woman has been hypnotized by him is for her or a family member to cut her braid off and burn it there's also a detail i'm not sure if this was in the episode when i did it but i did see it recently on tiktok there's a detail of him feeding soil to the women when he initially kidnaps them and then i do remember saying that they can't eat or drink because they're just so focused and taken by him so that they just ignore their bodily needs and the version that i saw on tiktok they said that all of the food that they do try to eat turns into soil and then they eventually die you know these tiny little fuckboys boys that are out here just ruining lives right but i just thought that parallel was interesting to me of hypnotizing women by a certain means with el trauco it's it's just by his gaze right so there are a few sources that I wanted to cover here. The first one, and if you are a best girlfriend friend on Patreon, you may have been present at the Susto movie night. We did a mystery movie screening, which is what they are now. They're mystery movie screenings. And I surprised attendees of this virtual hangout. It's patreon.com slash Susto podcast. We watched the movie Wekufe, The Origin of Evil, or in Spanish, I believe it's Wekufe, El Origen del Mal. And I'm going to read through this article that I have, this source, and you can find direct links to all the sources on the Susto Google Docs and Patreon, but this one is foundfootagecritic.com. Very obviously, this movie is a found footage movie, which I'm always saying like, oh, I don't like found footage movies because they give me motion sickness. And they do, but they're some of my favorite movies. <laughs> you think of 1974, Oposición de Altair, The Blair Witch Project, Hell House LLC, As Above, So Below, like all these found footage movies that I do do love but they just they physically make me ill because my brain cannot handle the movement but (laughs) this is definitely one of them i really enjoyed this movie i'm gonna go ahead and read this to you uh this synopsis of it it says "Wakufe, origin of evil is the first found footage movie to hail from the country of chile the film is written and directed by first-time feature film director javier atridge hi javier hey friend. if you're listening or if this gets to you Please come be on Susto or put me in a movie. This continues. This story follows a journalism student and her boyfriend who traveled to Chiloé, a small island south of Chile. The couple investigates a possible connection between a large number of sexual related crimes in the region and an ancient local legend. It's very obvious and very safe to say that this episode, this episode of Susto was completely inspired by the movie Huecufe, Origin of Evil. So when I initially found this movie, because I've done an episode on huecufe, or the concept of huecufe, I thought this was going to be something completely different. But then I remember from the episode that huecufe is kind of like an umbrella term for an evil entity or an evil person, right? A person who does bad things. In this movie, the huecufe is in reference to el trauco, which is... As you've just heard, it's its own legend, its own story, its own myth from uh, this coastal city called Chiloé in Chile. I don't have enough good things to say about this movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. And it's, it's really cool that it's the first found footage movie to come out of Chile. And it's from, what, 2016? That's so recent. I do want to continue a bit on this page. There's a section of this that I want to read to you. The section is called Legend of the Trauco, Mixing Fact with Fiction. This says, Huecufe is a Spanish-language film with English subtitles. The original Chilean or Spanish name of the film is Huecufe, El Origen del Mal. Like many great horror films, director Javier Atridge bases the plot of Huecufe on actual local legend and historical events. Do y'all remember when I did the Huecufe episode and I said it wrong? The entire episode, I will never, never let myself live that down. And honestly, I cannot believe that you all did not telepathically tell me when I was recording, when you had no idea what I was doing to fix it. Um, this continues when coupled with found footage, this approach lends a strong foundation to the film's premise and credibility within the genre, which I am obsessed with. I love, love, love movies that are based like specifically and solely on folklore, of course, putting their own take on it. So you think of like the uh, Jairo Bustamantes La Llorona, top three of my movies, for sure. I love that movie because it is based in folklore, directly on folklore. But of course, with its own unique, delicious take, right? Same thing with this one. This continues, The film is set on the small island of Chiloé, south of Chile. Huecufe makes reference to local Chiloé folklore, which speaks of a mythical creature known as the Trauco. According to local legend, the Trauco is a short, ogre-like creature that seduces young women in their sleep. Again, disgusting, hate him, This continues, Legend has it that the Trauco is also responsible for a large number of unwanted pregnancies on the island. It is not uncommon for women in Chiloé who give birth and are unable to identify the father to blame the Trauco to avoid family disgrace. So, this is one of those things that I feel is kind of, it's a fine line double-edged sword kind of thing. And this also reminds me of the story of the Tlawalpuchi, right? Where there's a community who is facing something that they don't really want to face head on. So they make up, basically, an explanation for it, right? They're saying, oh, no, it's not actually this thing that's happening. It's this supernatural paranormal thing that's causing it, right? So the idea of the Trauco, existing and what he does is disgusting, but also it gives people an explanation or an out or I hate to say this, but like a justification for their pregnancy, right? When they don't maybe know who who the parent is. It makes sense, right? Think of something worse that can happen to this person than being a single parent, which is not a bad thing at all. But I know, you know, we have to understand people's cultural beliefs and backgrounds and their specific community standards and morals, whatever. I don't think there's any fault in being a single parent. But this community maybe believes that is that it's such a sin that they would rather dream up this horrible thing that happened to the person and be like oh this pregnancy is a consequence of something that happened to me for lack of a better words this continues the use of actual folklore as the basis for wikufa is a smart approach to filmmaking i agree the legend of the trauco already has an established mystique and an aura that the film leverages not only is this approach more economical than creating a new story but using actual folklore infuses a real fear that is not easily replicated through pure fictional screenwriting yeah there's something about it. Again, I'm going to keep referencing. <laughs> hidebusman Bustamante's yorana because that's you know the first comparison that came to mind and it's my favorite is i think what made it scarier is like if you know the story you already know it maybe your subconscious just already tells you okay you're supposed to be scared right so you go into it expecting that i guess maybe cuz you know the lore but you also know okay this person's going to retell it in a different way you're on edge cuz you're waiting for for the other shoe to drop for you're waiting for that okay what what's the take on this going to be how is this going to shock me right and this movie does that as well it doesn't amazing job of using this legend to i think take on uh modern issues mm-hmm. This continues, and this is the last part of this segment. It says, We caught up with the director Javier Atridge and asked him about using the legend of the Trauco in Wekufe. He said, I wanted to tell a story about these legends that have been told by adults for generations and that a whole society believes and takes for granted. Children believe them from a young age. Using legends is a very easy way not to explain things rationally and to control the masses regardless of the damages it causes. I compared this with what mass media does. Again, I think this movie is great, and I just wanted to give it its things and its praise and recommend that you all do go watch it. I'm trying to remember where, I think I watched it on Tubi. So now let's go ahead and talk about the Wikipedia page. This is a short uh, entry on Wikipedia. It says, In the traditional Chilote mythology of Chiloé, the Trauco is a humanoid creature of small stature, similar to a dwarf or goblin who lives deep in the forest. It has an ugly face and legs without feet. There's something also about the feet in folklore. You know, we think of Dancing with the Devil, we think of the, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if it's like the Siwa or the Siwa but the woman who has the, the backwards facing feet. And then you also have... I want to say there's another one. Well, now this one, right? Something with the feet being atypical gets it gets put into these stories a lot. I wonder what it is. This uh, the legend part of this says the trauco is a mythical entity that inhabits the woods of Chiloé, an island in the south of Chile. It is a child of the snake god Goygoy Vilu. Maybe I'll have to cover the snake god in the future. This continues, it has a powerful magnetism that attracts young and middle aged women. According to Myth, the Trauco's wife is the wicked and ugly Fira. And why are they ugly? You know, where where are the, the cryptids and the ghouls that slay and serve? I want, I hope that I am a, I'm a fierce kind of ghoul, you know, in the afterlife. This continues the Trauco carries a small stone hatchet that he uses to strike trees in the forest to symbolize his sexual potency. So he's Peacocking, basically, right? He's just showing off. It's it's so honestly, that is such like a oh look at me, I'm making loud noises. Er, I'm an alpha or whatever. This says upon being chosen by him, any woman, even if she's asleep, will go to the Trauco bewitched and helpless against his sexual allure. She falls at his feet and proceeds to engage in sexual intercourse with him. Some men in Chiloé fear the Trauco as they believe his gaze can be deadly. So which again, it fits into this narrative like he thinks is the alpha, right? He's like every other man is a threat to him. This says, when a single woman is pregnant and no one steps forward as the father, people assume that Trauco is the father. Because the creature is irresistible, the woman is considered blameless. Again, there's that idea, this idea of like, okay, we need to think of something that's worse than a single parent pregnancy, right? This continues, the Trauco is sometimes invoked to explain sudden or unwanted pregnancies, especially in unmarried women. (gasps) Gasp, clutching the pearls, unmarried women. This finishes off, Edith rebolledo Mueller, MSC in Sociology, states the following, In fact, teen pregnancy has its explanation in this myth as a way to justify the shame. Then it will be cleansed by marriage as an institution that allows regulating and holding bodies into submission. So basically, I'm assuming for someone who wants to get married after having a child, after going through pregnancy without a father present, that's kind of their get out of jail free card, right? It's like, oh no, I can remarry because it was a traco. So, like, I'm, I'm good to go. We can get married, right? And then that like resets this made up, imaginary, virtuous kind of like card, right? That uh, this person can now get married again. The idea of a paranormal entity that is also sexual in nature reminded me of the idea of an incubus, right? Or a succubus. So, I just wanted to read a really quick description about it, what an incubus is. For those of you who don't know, and again, this is from Wikipedia, this says an incubus is a demon in male form in folklore that seeks to have sexual intercourse with sleeping women. Again, El Trauco targets women who are already asleep or he hypnotizes them. This says the corresponding spirit in female form is called a succubus. So the difference here is that there is a female version, right? This says, parallels exist in many cultures. In medieval Europe, a union with an incubus was supposed by some to result in the birth of witches, demons, and deformed human offspring. So in The Legend of the Trauco, it doesn't really go on to say much about the child itself. They just have, I guess, like a a typical human child, right? But uh, with incubus or succubi, they say that they're they're born as like paranormal things right a legendary magician merlin was said to have been fathered by an incubus walter stevens writes in his book demon lovers that some traditions hold that repeated sexual activity with an incubus or succubus may result in the deterioration of health and impaired mental state or even death So just to cover a little bit more so we can see where this is coming from, the idea of incubus and succubus are seen all over the place pretty much, but the etymology of of the word or the description is it is a late Latin word. It's derived meaning a nightmare included by a demon. It's derived from Latin incubo and further from incubare. One of the earliest evident mentions of a demon sharing qualities to an incubus comes from Mesopotamia on the Sumerian king list circa 2400. BC, where the hero Gilgamesh's father is listed as Lilu. Lilu is described as disturbing and seducing women in their sleep, while Lilitu, a female demon, is described as appearing to men in erotic dreams. Two other corresponding demons appear as well, Lily, who visits men by night, and Lily, a male counterpart to Lily who visits women by night and begets from them. Lili is derived from ardatu, the word for a woman of marriageable age, while idulili is derived from idlu, meaning a grown man. These demons were originally storm demons. They eventually became regarded as night demons, potentially due to mistaken etymology. So just some background on the idea of paranormal sexual beings. Next week that I have is a fandom wiki. It's villains.fandom.com, the Trauco page. Um, This is pretty similar to what was read earlier. It talks about his appearance, how he's ugly, short, the the thing about the feet. This does say that he has a magical cane called a Paweldun, that he needs the cane to help him walk, right? It says that the cane can also be transformed into a stone axe. So again, there was mention of the axe earlier, but some... Sources will say that it can transform into the cane as well, if he wishes. It also says that he's said to worn a conical hat, like a cone hat. I do want to read uh, this kind of, what's it called... Uh, detail it says about the his effect on men it says it is not only women who must fear the trauco but rather any who enter his forest he is able to deform the face or break the bones of a man just by placing his gaze on him so to me this insinuates uh what's the word like telepathy or telekinesis rather where he has the ability to use physical force without touching with just his gaze or his mind right that's freaky that he can just look at you and beat the shit out of you without having to touch you the chilean writer and folklore expert oreste platin i think that's how that's pronounced described the trauco as having the ability to kill or cripple and deform you with a look in this respect the trauco is similar to a cockatrice or basilisk in that it can do a person harm simply by looking at them or kind of like medusa right? She can turn people to stone just by looking at them. And the final source or thing that I have here is I did just want to kind of talk about the conversation of abortion access in Chile, right? Because this is an interesting concept. You know, we're talking about unwanted pregnancies, but then the, the legend kind of ends there. It's like, oh, well, these women are left with an explanation for their unwanted pregnancies. But then it's like, okay, well, but what are their options, right? Um, as we know, abortion is a very touchy subject. Um, for some reason, some people cannot get it through their head that people deserve autonomy over their bodies and that no one should be forced to carry a pregnancy to term and that you do not need any specific reason to get an abortion. I'm just going to read this source. This is from The Guardian (laughs) before I get on my soapbox and start screaming. This is from theguardian.com and this is an article that was published. Oof. Let's see here. About five months ago, I was trying to find the most up-to-date information. I wasn't exactly sure where to look. If there are any abortion access experts out there, I would love to hear from you. This article is headlined gigantic step backwards far right gains in chile threaten abortion rights concerns mount as ultra conservative republican parties right to life proposal could be enshrined in constitution there's a part in this article that i wanted to read uh, that kind of described it best to me it says in latin america the caribbean haiti the dominican republic nicaragua honduras el salvador and Suriname all have absolute bans on abortion In Chile, the termination of a pregnancy was permitted between 1930 and 1989, but was then penalized towards the end of General Augusto Pinochet's dictatorship. In 2017, under Chile's first woman president, Michelle Bachelet, abortion was decriminalized in three specific cases, when the mother's life was at risk, if the fetus was unable to survive, or if the pregnancy was the result of a rape. And that makes me think of... The story of el trauco and when i'm making these comparisons this of the story of the trauco to this i am not in any way trying to diminish or trivialize the conversation of access to abortion and how difficult decision can be for some people i'm just saying it's it, i feel like it's an interesting parallel to draw that again people would rather not or not even rather people in some cases need to lean on a paranormal or a supernatural cause of the pregnancy because they are not able or they may not be able to make the decision for themselves because the government already has. So this says, after the Constitution was rejected in September of 2023, and with a large number of constitutional counselors now coming from the Republican Party, we're in a very different place to where we were a year ago, said Otha Varnava. However, while the political tides have changed since the leftist president, Gabriel Boric, was elected in late 2021, attitudes toward abortion have liberalized over the last two decades. According to the Centro de Estudios Públicos, a Santiago based think tank and pollster, support for abortion in specific cases in increased from 35% in 1999 to 49% in 2023. The proportion of Chileans who said that they were against abortion under any circumstances has dropped from 55% to just 19% over the same period, putting distance between the Republican Party's hardline ideological project and the mandate it has to veto aspects of a new constitution. Again, it's from theguardian.com, and it is gigantic step backward, far-right gains. Um, I'm trying to see who wrote this if there's a byline. Okay, it looks like the byline is by someone named Betsy Reed. I felt like there was there was a relation between the story and the idea of unwanted pregnancies and access to options. Because of course, abortion is not the only option. um, But it is the most governed, the most policed option, I think, right, Uh, when it comes to people's Choices over their own bodies. And I feel like if you listen to the show, you already know how I feel about those kinds of things. (laughs) I would hope that you would. And if you don't, let me make it very clear. People should have unfettered access to abortions for whatever reason they may need or want. And it does not have to be a difficult decision, although sometimes it can be. But ultimately, it is no one's business but that person's. Punto final, end of story for me. Again, I will get off my soapbox. (laughs) But So bucks or not, I think this was a relevant conversation to touch on when talking about this creature. to the Susto Paranormal Report, where we delve into the mysterious and the supernatural from around the globe. Join me as we explore eerie encounters, haunted locales, and chilling phenomena, bringing you tales that will send shivers down your spine. First up on today's Susto Paranormal Report is from CBS 21 by Sarah Burns. Built in 1804, the Samuel Miller Mansion in Lancaster County, Southern Pennsylvania has served various purposes over the years, including a bank, feed mill, print shop, toy company, and support for the Underground Railroad. The current owner reports frequent encounters with spirits throughout the mansion. The paranormal investigation group Phantom Detectives LLC was invited to explore the mansion after hearing about the hauntings. Investigators encountered evidence of spirits, including writing on the walls, referencing historical events like World War II. Witnesses and paranormal investigators experienced phenomena such as footsteps in the attic and EMF readings indicating spirit presence. The mansion's different rooms carried distinct energies, with some feeling lighter and happier while others evoke feelings of anxiety or sadness. Paranormal media Melissa Ferrazano sensed both peaceful and troubled energies throughout the mansion, reflecting the varied experiences of its former inhabitants. The Samuel Miller Mansion's rich history and well-preserved state contribute to its reputation as a haunted location in central Pennsylvania. Up next on the Susu Paranormal Report is from the Irish Star by John O'Sullivan. Ghost hunter Tony Ferguson had a chilling encounter at Kenmuir Castle in Scotland. While exploring, Tony heard multiple voices and even received responses to his comments, including a male voice commanding him to get back. Tony, who has been investigating paranormal activities for 15 years, described the experience as filled with unexplained phenomena. In a separate event in Colombia, a man named Diego Spikers recorded a spooky encounter at his door late at night. He captured footage of a child knocking on his door, but when he opened it, the child vanished into thin air. Despite searching with his camera, the boy was nowhere to be found, leaving Diego shocked and bewildered. And last but not least, from Metro News by Sam Corbishley and Michael Havis. The abandoned mansion of former Second World War MP Horace Trevor Cox, located in rural Wiltshire, Southwest England, has become the site of bone-chilling encounters. Visitors, like explorer Jade McKenner, have reported eerie experiences while exploring the Grade II listed farmhouse now in ruins. Jade McKenner felt a sense of being watched while exploring the dilapidated mansion, surrounded by vintage furniture, cobwebs, and old letters dating back to the 1930s. In one of her photos, Jade captured a spooky, childlike figure in a nightdress at the far end of a long corridor, leading her to believe she had encountered a ghost. The mansion still holds remnants of its former occupants, with rooms filled with vintage belongings, including pots, pans, and even an old Mickey Mouse toy. Despite its current state of decay, Jade acknowledges the mansion's former beauty and marvels at its historic significance. As we conclude this edition of Seusto Paranormal Report, we've uncovered tales of ghostly whispers in ancient castles, mysterious apparitions in abandoned mansions, and chilling encounters in the dead of night. Stay tuned for more spine-tingling stories in our next segment of Seusto Paranormal Report, where the unknown awaits. Welcome back, Wolf friends. So how did we enjoy that? <laughs> so as I said at the beginning, and as if you have just heard, I am thinking of introducing, I'm toying with this idea of the Susto Paranormal Report, where I will try to bring you encounters of the spooky kind from all over the globe. As I have said many times on the show, one of my favorite things is making connections to stories from around the world. Sometimes, you know, stories are just really short kind of anecdotes or maybe they don't quite connect the way that I think they should for a full episode but I I still think they're fun to touch on and to share with you so let me know what you think of this new segment if I should keep it if I should can it if you see anything that is in the news I would love it if it comes from like a new source please send me links so that I can continue to do this segment I I think it's really fun I hope that you all as well I, I, either way it, it's it's completely up to you all let me know what your thoughts are. If you're listening on Spotify, I'm gonna ask you in the Q and A portion of this episode what you think of that segment. Let me know there. If you are listening on Apple, if you have not left a review, you can put your answer in there. You can send me a DM on the socials. You can send me an email. Visit the website and hit the contact button. Where, surprise, surprise, you can also submit your own stories from Letters from the Beyond episode or any other spooky digital media that I should share online. Thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure to follow across all social media platforms that's at susto podcast for any and all updates on the show especially to know where you can catch me in person you know i love meeting my ghoul friends irl and i'm excited to be given the opportunity to present on anything susto related so again follow social media all the information and all the links are up there and finally i will say thank you to this episode's patrons you can visit patreon.com susto podcast to check out the uh spooky, spectacular, supernatural, paranormal bonus perks that you get for supporting the show. And this episode's patrons are Liza, Sadie, Rachel, Alejandra, Luther, April, Mario, Eva, Dee, Victoria, Josette, Sam, Angela and Co, Mandy, Jules, Lori, Jeannie, Desiree C, Anacy, Ashes, Neresa, Rachel, Asukena, Rios, Anna, Marlene, Chata, Lainey, Desiree A, Aaliyah, holly and cynthia and everybody patron or not make this show worth it so i will talk to you all in the next one and if he tells you that he is six foot five pull out the measuring tape and check bye